Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You gotta be a cowboy's head. No? They were always ass. Yeah. Like, well, here we go. Okay. Before I was born, they were 23. I like the Vikings, bro. Yeah. I missed that last part when I heard what Kyler Murray had to oh, say did about you? the Cowboys. Did you? You missed weekend. that? I didn't know he liked the Vikings. Yeah, I don't know. I, not, not, not that the Vikings have been great during his were lifetime. They, but they were better they, than ass? I, I didn't know that. They, well, they've at least been to the NFC Championship. Let's see. Kyler Murray was born in 97. The right. Vikings went in 98, right. 2000, 2009, 2017. That's four. Okay. Cowboys have zero. None. Would, would, none, would none be accurate? None. None. None would NFC be NFC championship appearances. Hell, the team that Kyler Murray plays for, Christopher, has been to the NFC championship twice in Kyler's lifetime, including a Super Bowl that they could have won, yeah, should have won, right. would have won over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So... That, that, to me, when I saw his willingness to come out and say the Cowboys were always asked, my first thought was, well, no, they weren't. But then I realized this guy was born in 1997. No, yes, they were. Yeah, no, yes, they were. I, it, it's amazing when you just think about it and you go, man, it, it really has been that long since, you know, they were, I don't want to say legit contenders because they went through that little period, right, in like 2006, seven where they were pretty damn good, and we thought they were like a legit Super Bowl contender. There's no doubt. There's the Dak Prescott year, you know, when Tony Romo got hurt, and they were the number one seed, and Aaron Rodgers came into town and did all that. But, yeah, these young kids don't know the Dallas Cowboys the same way you and I do, at least. That's for sure. I grew up in an era where, wait, I knew about the Cowboys because they were like a dying dynasty of the 70s. We're still kind of hanging around in the 80s, right? And then stunk for that little period of time, and, man, then the 90s, that was the greatest thing going. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, for a guy like me, I mean, it didn't get any cooler. Guys like Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and Deion Sanders, I mean, they were all fun and glitz and glamour and lots of big plays. Uh, but, yeah, the younger generation has no clue of that. 
None. You know, for the longest time, the Cowboys and Cardinals did not have a rivalry from the Cowboys' perspective. It was a rivalry from the Cardinals' perspective. And the Cowboys have owned that series 56-33-1 is the all-time mark. But the Cardinals have won five of the last six. Five of the last six dating back to 2008. And they'll play again week 17 this year in Dallas. Ooh. Kyler Murray, by the way, 7-0 and in his lifetime playing at AT&T Stadium. High school, college, NFL. So he loves the stadium doesn't really right. love the team. And I wish they played earlier in the year. I hope that we remember what Kyler Murray had to say when week 17 rolls around. I, that's what made me so entertained by it. The fact that a guy who plays quarterback for a team that will play the Cowboys this year, could play them pretty much every year theoretically, would be willing to say that. He just blurts it out. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I wish more guys would be that candid. I, well, yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I mean, it, it, hey, it's, he's not like taking a personal shot at them right now. He's just saying, hey, when I grew up, there there was nothing to cheer for, and I mean that speaks loud, or at least louder when it's a kid from the state of Texas saying it. That that's for sure. That that maybe might might hurt a Cowboys fan or the Jones family or somebody like that a little bit more than if some kid from Oklahoma or some idiot like me from New Jersey said that. Uh, so that's where it stings a little bit, no doubt about it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. It's cool. I like the way Kyler Murray handles himself. He's not afraid to say things, give little looks, little mannerisms, things like that. He's got a good way about him. And I guess we can cross off the possibility of Kyler Murray eventually pulling double duty for the Texas Rangers and the Dallas Cowboys if and when he Oh yeah, here you go. You tried to start a little of that this last hey, week too. I'm I saw that. Trying, oh, I'm not the door's still open. Anything. He can still I'm go. I'm just talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm not starting anything. I'm just talking. That's what Kyler Murray said. Hey, he made it clear he still wants to play baseball and he'd like to play both. And he was a top 10 draft pick of the Oakland A's. Chris, so I, yeah, I, I know. until he stops talking about it or until he says, I will never play baseball and never talk about baseball again, football is the rest of my professional athletic life, until he says that, that door's there. And he should, at a minimum, use it as leverage with the Cardinals or, at most, actually go do it. Try to engineer a situation where he can play baseball and then show up and play football. As the offseason program shrink, what's, what's the point? of hanging around, team facility. Keep yourself in shape, know your offense, study at night, study on the road, study on the plane. I, I think if anybody can do it, Kyler Murray could pull it off. I used to think there's no way a quarterback could do it. You, you can't be part-time in the NFL as a quarterback. I think if anyone can do it, Kyler Murray can. Well, he's a phenomenal athlete, and he can probably do it. I just don't know what a, what like, to what extent of a level are we talking about. That's the difference. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's awesome. He doesn't need baseball to leverage anything. He's one of the better quarterbacks in football. I mean, he's certainly in the top 10. Yeah, spoiler alert, Kyler Murray's going to be in the Chris Sims top 10 quarterbacks, all right, for the uh, top 40 countdown. But it's about maximization and what do you want to do there. And, like, what always would scare me because, you know, I, I, I was pursued by people to always keep pitching when I was in college and playing football at Texas. I had teams, you know, wanted me to keep pitching to keep my major league hopes up and do those type of things. But the thing I came to is I just couldn't take away the time of preparation for football. And I always got into the thing, Mike, of like, 
man, am I really going to take a month off? And, you know, yeah, you know, okay, try to think about football a little bit, but I'm really here at a baseball place doing that. It's hard to totally focus in on the football. And here's the last thing that always kind of bothered me a little bit is, you know, there is some mechanical differences between throwing a baseball and a football too. And that's one thing as I started. Patrick Mahomes. Well, no, well, you, you, yeah, okay. You don't know that. Not at a pro level. I bet you if he had to go play baseball for four or five months and then he came in the first day and threw football, it wouldn't look exactly like Patrick Mahomes at first. He'd have to get used to it. There's a little different way to throw a bigger object as compared to the smaller object. So I'm just throwing out stuff that crosses my mind as a guy you know who loves to throw things and been around it my whole life. I'm just trying to picture your – Big ass ET hand, yeah, holding a baseball. Yeah, it could throw like, fire. It gets swallowed up in there. It'd yeah. be like me trying to throw a marble. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked good. I could get my hands on those seams and throw a two seamer or a four seamer, pretty damn good. Why didn't you do it? Carve I don't. I ask don't myself every day. I go, what play the hell was longer. I thinking? You can still be playing no now crap. at age forty. Thank you. I say it to myself you still every have day. Spleen. I'm driving in. I'm going. Damn! I got to go talk to Floria. If I just would have played baseball, I wouldn't be having to do this. This my life would be so much different. So yes, I. Think wait a minute. About wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so it's higher on the list of things that would have gone well that you wouldn't have to deal with me. Above, I'd still have my spleen. Uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, no, no, that's not. I, you're right. I'd rather have the spleen, okay. and then yeah. Okay. We'll go thank from there. you. Okay. Thank you. That's <laughs> the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> you just uh, won out. <laughs> <laughs> I beat. I well, the, yeah. I I I am uh, less unimportant to you than your spleen. Yes. That's good to know. Um. All right. Uh. That, but that that was a fun little thing this weekend because if you haven't noticed. Especially on Saturdays and Sundays in June, there isn't a whole lot going on. So yeah. when Kyler Murray drops something like that on my plate, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. And we're going to have some fun with it. We also had some fun with the latest chapter in As the, the uh, Limburg Turns, in, uh, or Limburger Turns, rather, in, uh, in Green Bay. Um, let's hear from Mark Murphy, the president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers. And before we hear from him, let's remember... It was just a week or so ago that he wrote at Packers.com that he believes it's in the best interest to resolve this divisive situation for both sides to say as little as possible publicly. There it is. As little as possible. We are working to resolve the situation and realize that the less both sides say publicly, the better. With that, as the backdrop, let's hear what Mark Murphy had to say publicly about the Aaron Rodgers situation late last week. I'm often reminded, though, uh, have uh, Ted Thompson, as most of you know, just a great general manager, uh, passed away uh, this past year. Or excuse me, earlier this year, uh, often talked about Aaron that he's a comp, or, and it wasn't just Aaron, a lot of different players, he would say he's a complicated fella. So I'll just. Uh, Say that. You boy. Uh, look, uh, hey, we, we know he's a complicated fella. You know he's a complicated fella. All of you out there who pay any attention to the National Football League realize that Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fella. You don't make him any less complicated by saying it when you are the guy who runs the football team that is supposedly trying to unburn the bridge. Between Rodgers and the organization, 
What is going on here, Chris? Uh, I really do think Mark Murphy is trying to get him to not show up. Uh, my, Mike, I, when I when I read those comments, I went, uh, Florio might be right. Mark Murphy might actually not want Rodgers to be there at all. Like, uh, the, the, to me, like, the, the big thing to me, and first off, reading it and hearing it is a different level. Actually reading it makes Mark Murphy look a little better. When you hear it and the way he ends it and just, I'll leave it at that, like, that's more insulting. You'll leave it at that? Oh, okay. Like, what I really want to go is go, Mark, what the hell is Mark Murphy doing is what I want to say. It is complete bullcrap what he's doing, actually. It really is. If Aaron Rodgers was doing this and still putting out cryptic messages over the last week, oh, my gosh, every talk show, you would have had seven headlines this weekend on Pro Football Talk. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you know that's the way it would be if it was Aaron yes. Rodgers. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's well, messed I up. Mold, I, it's I, messed I'm up. Still- Look, I know. I, have I have I not said it's no, the Packers' you're right. fault? You're right. Have I, I just, not said what they're trying to do? I know. I'm just I'm glorifying the the magnitude of this if the roles were reversed. And like you know, back to the letter too. You know, hey, thanks, Ken. Hey, Ken, the bastards that are dragging things down <laughs> are the bastards you're writing to. I mean, sorry, I don't mean to call Mark Murphy that, but he's the one that's created this issue, and now he's fanning the the the, the fire. I mean, that that's to me. Like, I don't know. It's inexcusable. It's unprofessional. It's cryptic. It's jerky. It's not how you run the organization. I really have nothing positive to say about it. Two explanations. It just kind of happened inadvertently or it was strategic. And I'm going to assume that we're talking about folks who operate their business at a high level, understand what it means to say things publicly, and that there are no accidents nothing gets blurted out now if if it was inadvertent it still gives us a glimpse into what he's really thinking and and I agree with you Chris when he pins the tail on the donkey with I'll leave it at that what that means is there's a hell of a lot more I'd like yeah right right it is unflattering to this guy I'll leave it at that he's a complicated fella I'll leave it at that meaning what would come next would not fall in the bucket of abject praise of Aaron Rodgers. So, again, it's either on purpose or it just sort of happened. Either way, I think that it pushes that needle further toward us realizing that if Mark Murphy had his way, Aaron Rodgers never plays football again, or at a minimum doesn't play this year, they net between salary, bonuses that aren't paid, bonuses that are recovered, more than $30 million that they can use to reinvest in other players, and they find out what Jordan Love has. And you know what? If Jordan Love stinks, Mark Murphy didn't draft him. Brian Gutekunst did. Murphy's got the ultimate safe harbor here for this thing to blow up, and if Love doesn't work out, well, it's it's Brian Gutekunst's fault, not mine. He's the scout. I'm not. He's the one that evaluated Jordan Love, and he thought he was going to be good, and if there's anyone to blame, blame him so I really think that's what Murphy wants to find out let's find out what this guy has let's not have to be held hostage by this complicated fella who's going to be saying passive aggressive things or aggressive aggressive things all year long let's just not deal with it let's move forward that's what we do we move forward from Brett Favre we're moving forward from Aaron Rodgers yeah well good luck I mean he he, you know to me not saying it's right yeah not saying it's right no I I know you're not that's what he wants no you're right I mean listen the 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 way it looks I I I kind of agree with you right now I mean I, I do and you know off of that though that's nice. That's what he. That maybe that's what he wants. Yeah, I'm a, with you. I don't think it's right. Of course, I don't think it's right. 
I mean, he created the problem. The Packers shareholders, they gotta have they're gonna have to have a little conversation at some point. Wait, yeah, he's not the owner of the team. He's the guy though that's in control of the guy who drafted this first round pick at quarterback and, and could have stepped in and said, no, don't do it. This is stupid. We're asking for career suicide and we're going to ruin the organization. He didn't. So he should be held accountable. And I'll tell you with these little comments too, if he does not want, if this like the main thing is like you're talking about and what you've been on, like, you know, this is all about maybe he really doesn't want him there and he does just, we'll save the money and don't have to deal with it and all that. This isn't helping. Aaron Rodgers, the type of guy who reads this and goes, this freaking ASS beep, okay? I'm going to show this guy all about what I got. I bet you Aaron Rodgers went out and worked harder this weekend because he goes, man, I can't wait to get to Green Bay and just totally ruin Mark Murphy's life. And I'm just going to play awesome and ruin everybody's time. And I'm going to make it so hard. Do they not? Again, obviously, they do not know who they're dealing with. They don't. There's obviously like a stupid disconnect there where they don't really know this complicated fella. They might need to do a little more research on him because this is the type of stuff, in my opinion, of a Rodgers. He's going to come back and go, hey, up yours. I'm here and I'm better than ever. And he's going to have lots of cryptic text messages if you keep poking him this way. There's a chance that they have underestimated him or yeah. to borrow a line from the great Michael Scott that they are properly estimating him. And right. this is chapter three of Mark Murphy's effort to poke the bear just enough to get the absolute best performance from the bear. And I go back to Tyler Dunn's story from Bleacher Report two years ago when Murphy seemed pleased that all this crap was hitting the fan about Rodgers and former head coach Mike McCarthy. And Murphy made the comment along the lines of maybe this will upset some people in a good way. Well, drafting Jordan Love upset someone in a good way. Maybe this comment aimed at upsetting Aaron Rodgers in a good way. If it was intentional, if it was deliberate, if there's a method to the madness here, it is that the end result is exactly what you're predicting. Rodgers goes out and works harder. Rodgers is determined to come to town and be even better than last year and ultimately win that Super Bowl and and pull the Paul Crew moment yeah. at the end where he scoops I up know. the game ball and sticks it in Murphy's stomach and says go put this in your trophy case and they win a Super Bowl and then they trade him I mean maybe they are trying to manipulate him here maybe I just think that I think it's past that yeah I think I the manipulation's too. over I think I that's one of the reasons why he's so pissed off he knows he's been manipulated yeah I, I agree too and 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 I think you know with, with all that you said there you know uh, again yeah maybe it motivated and did things like that but I don't know. I don't. I don't have enough history or enough knowledge or enough evidence to ever think Mark Murphy's this smart that he's this tactical and doing these type of things. I'm sorry. I just can't. Come. You don't. You don't. You don't I become know. the CEO of the Packers. I know hold that job for over a decade. If you're not strategic and tactical, he can be you to don't. a degree, but I don't think to this degree. I mean, maybe he said that when Tyler Dunn back when wrote that article because he meant maybe Mike McCarthy will get an order. Maybe it wasn't about Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't really gone. know. McCarthy was fired. And so that was already, he was already fired by then? Okay. Yeah. So, so I, listen, either way. But, I, again, as somebody who's been around football my whole life, you've been following it you know, your whole life. Anybody I talk to who's been around the sport, nobody can make sense of the draft pick, the situation, the handling of this whole situation. Nothing. And the smart play, ultimately what we're talking about is if you wanted Super Bowl – was not to take a quarterback 
last year in the first round. That was not. If the ultimate goal was to get Super Bowl, it wasn't waste two picks on something that will not help us get to the Super Bowl at all. And I think that's where I always come back to to go, yeah, no, Mark Murphy's not that smart. They just messed this up. Yeah, they packaged a one and a four to move from 30 to 26 to get Jordan Love after Justin Jefferson went off the board after Brandon Ayuk went off the board when the 49ers leapfrogged the Packers, a couple of receivers they wanted instead of drafting a receiver at 30 or trading down and taking a Chase Claypool later. Wouldn't that have been something if the Packers had done that? They they decide to, to... leap up and activate the Aaron Rodgers succession plan, the secret folder that someone was carrying around for use at an unknown time for right. an unknown reason. Here we go. And you know what, Chris? It, it may have been as simple as they feared at some point this complicated fella was going to hold them hostage the way that Brett Favre did, and they were going to be stuck with some slappy as the backup if Aaron Rodgers just decided out of the blue, I'm done. Like Barry Sanders right before training camp. I'm done, I'm out, and they got nobody at yeah, that point. I hear you, I hear you, but we just we, we have no evidence that that was anywhere. You know, that, that that's just, it's hypothetical. Because, I mean, we have, we knew with Brett Favre, there was inklings, you heard rumors you know, he wasn't sure how much he wanted to play. None of that was available or, or, or a talking point with Aaron Rodgers. Nobody was thinking that at all. I mean, he wasn't hinting at that towards anyone or anything like that. So I understand, and you're right, history could, you know, maybe make them think about that to a degree. But Rodgers, as you've pointed out, I think has been so careful to not be like Brett Favre that I don't think he's ever given those signals to justify maybe some of those actions we're talking about. We don't know what he's. No, you're right. We don't. I know. I know. You know what? What we and and when you accept the fact that he's complicated, you you plan for all possible permutations. Sure. And you don't want to give him that opening where he takes over, and then he turns the tables on you unexpectedly and leaves you high and dry just for sport. I mean, I again, I'm just trying to understand why they did what they did in April of 2020, as we try to understand why Mark Murphy said what he said just a few days ago. And what we know is coming up on July 26th. This is the only thing we know right now about the Packers. Yeah. July 26th, shareholders meeting. Who boy. Oh, Lambeau Field, here they come. Now, this is different than a normal corporation. You can't sell the stock. No one can go out and try to accumulate a big block of it and try to have a hostile takeover. This is something that the Packers implemented back in the 20s when they didn't have money and they needed to raise cash. And they've had like four or five stock issuances over the years. And it isn't real power. But and and I haven't studied the articles of incorporation or the bylaws. You would think there's some mechanism if the fans slash shareholders aren't happy with what's going on. At a minimum, they can voice it. Yeah, that's right. At most, right. they could take action. I mean, I got the impression fans were pissed off about what Murphy said, that this backfired on him. If the goal was to try to win in the court of public opinion, that, you know, he was trending on Twitter on Saturday yeah. after these comments came to light. And it wasn't in a good way. No, definitely. Because it's it just, you know, I think even people who might be like, 
okay, Rodgers is a pain in the butt. He's a diva. And he's like, they see these. And if they're paying attention to the, the sports media over the last two weeks, they see both of those things and go, well, that's kind of messed up. What are you talking about? Most times when if a player said something as stupid as, hey, Ken, you know, with the whole don't let the bastards get you down. Hey, Ken. Yeah, this Rogers situation has really divided the fan base. Like we would come on here and go, wait, there was a way better answer for that player to just come out with. And like, so Mark Murphy, here you go. I guess we'll have to talk to you like a player here. Like you could have just said, hey, Ken. Hey, we got a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers. It's part of the business. We'll fit this figured out somehow. But instead, you took a shot. And that's bullcrap, in my opinion. And there you are. You're going to expect the quarterback to be different and the players to be different and, and listen to your instructions and not do public things. But you're going to take that into your own hands and do it the way you want to when it comes time for you you know, doing what you want to do. And that's not cool. Players are going to see that, too. They're not going to respect that at all. Whatever happens on July 26, Mark Murphy will speak at some point and he'll have a chance to either make things better or make things worse with what he says. And look, the prevailing view continues to be that the Packers aren't going to budge here. There's no reason to budge here. If they would try to trade Aaron Rodgers right now, they're not going to get as much as they would get after the 2021 season. But you know what, Chris? If what happened on Thursday, yeah. when Murphy said what he said, was inadvertent, unscripted, unplanned, and he's just at the point where he can't help himself, and they're concerned about what may happen on July 26th, I don't know. It's a month and a half from now. A lot can change it definitely in a can. short period of time in the NFL. Could they wake up one day and decide, we are going to explore this. It is in everyone's best interest to just be done with it, to quit playing this game, that this distraction is overwhelming the team. I don't think it'll happen, but we have to at least have it on the edge of the radar screen as a possibility that the Packers will have a change of heart. Maybe Mark Murphy starts to get some pressure from the board of directors as to what is it that you're really trying to do here? You know, he answers to a broader board, which consists of a lot of Green Bay area business people. There's an executive committee, him and maybe six others, yeah, and, and, and typically, if you know what you're doing, all those people are on board with you. Maybe what's happened over the last week could cause some of those folks to start saying, Mark, what? Yeah, what's the what plan? Are really, right. What are we really trying to prove yeah, here? Yeah, right. What's our end game here? Why are we fighting with this guy who has only performed his job at the highest possible level since he became the starter in 2008? Why are we trying to piss this guy off? Why are we trying? You know, future quarterbacks and players oh, are going to be you. looking at that's how we treated is. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, and think that's how they're going to get treated at some point. Why are we doing this? No, I, there's no doubt. That's definitely going to be something. I mean, you know, now they have Jordan Love, but if they're trying to attract big time free agent quarterbacks, maybe two, three, four years from now, the Jordan Love thing didn't work out. Yeah, that's going to be thought of for sure. You know, n nonetheless, like these comments are going to like you know. They're, they're going to have shockwaves through the locker room. Guys notice this. It's Aaron Rodgers. They're going to know what he's done for the organization playing-wise. So, yeah, they're going to lose lack of respect there for Mark, Mark Murphy for, for what's done there. But you're right. I mean, at some point, what is going to be done? Uh, you know, you're getting close to football here. I don't, un I don't understand the, the point of continuing to take jabs at Rodgers. I would still think even at this point with Mark Murphy, like, hey – it looks like he's 
probably going to come back and play. Let's start thinking about how are we going to be the best Green Bay Packers team of 2021. You know, start, you know, maybe massaging it publicly and saying positive things. Get going on like the positive track for the football team. Forget it. And you know, like the trade thing, you're right. It could arise at any at any point, any situation. Yeah, they probably can't maximize like we've talked about. But for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, they, they could. You just got to get one team to just say, yeah, we want it. All right, we're sold. Let's go. They're going to get close to maximization for a player like Aaron Rodgers, regardless. So I, I would think teams like Denver give one more call to Green Bay. You know, this last month before training camp starts, just to see where it's at and maybe a few other teams. And we'll see what Green Bay does from there. I, I you know, it, it really is is fascinating that this is happening. There's only been two times in the history of the National Football League that the reigning MVP did not play for his team the next year. And both of those were retirements. Norm Van Brocklin and Jim Brown. It's amazing. The idea that the MVP, a guy who won it over guys like Patrick Mahomes, right? Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers at age 37 with the finest season, arguably, of his career. And he's caught in this mess that is as much the team's making as it is his. And arguably, it's more the team's making. Yeah. One, one, thing, one thing that just came to mind that, that maybe we'll see and hear from Aaron Rodgers, because I I check his Twitter page once a day just to see if there's anything there. We saw him playing the guitar and singing Taylor Swift right. in Hawaii. The Avril Lavigne song, Complicated. Wouldn't it be great if he learned that and sang that, like did a little karaoke with Complicated as a little F you to Mark Murphy, and we see that on social media? Wait, that would be nice well, if that ho- happens. Hold on. I just my I just lost a piece of my brain. Did you? What, how do you know Avril Lavigne and Complicated? Like, where did that come from, and how did you pull that song out of your butt out of nowhere all of a sudden? Where did that cut? Co- what, what do you think? Where do you think I've been for the last 50 Not listening years? to- I have lived nor, on the hip- planet. Uh, how do you know that? You don't know me. Not listening to know, Hits you 1. You think you know me. <laughs> yeah, I, I know maybe, you pretty Maybe good. I have. Been. You don't look like the kind of guy that's going down into the barn listening to Avril Lavigne and singing Complicated. That's what I not, I, I felt like recently. I knew you. Maybe I don't now. <laughs> now, look, th- there there is a way that you can be aware of the song and not particularly like the song. Right. Not particularly have it on your playlist. Oh, uh, you're too. But still know what it is. Uh, you're and too, know the title. You're in too deep, though. Now you like the song. You're in. You're you like it. It's on your playlist. No, I don't. No, yeah. I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. No. Opening of the show tomorrow. Song? Florio dancing to Avril Lavigne. <laughs> we don't have the rights to it. Can you think of another song? That has complicated in the title. It was the first one I thought of. He's a complicated fella. No, there's no I know. song called "Complicated Fella," so I had to settle for what I could find, or at least think of in my brain while we were talking. Yeah, I no, you're right. I just I no, I wouldn't have thought of any song or anything to deal with complicated, let alone Avril Lavigne. I just wouldn't have not. I, I just I was shocked. So just I'm, wait, just wait. Yeah, he's gonna get that guitar back out. He's gonna learn that. He's gonna play that one chord that he learned. Uh, and uh, it's and uh, they're going to sing complicated. I, <laughs> okay. he's, there can't not be a response from Aaron Rodgers. There can't be silence. He's got to say something. He's got to do something, doesn't he? I actually I mean, don't think he does. I think this purposes. is perfect. I think this is perfect. If I'm him now, you just sit back. They they look like the idiots and the jerks right now. 
Don't do anything. Just get ready for football. Send me, make some Twitter and Instagram videos of you throwing lasers and spirals all over the place. Do that. Sell to the fan base. You're all in on football, and here we go. Green Bay looks like the unprofessional jerks here. They're the ones that, like you, like you just said, I think they deserve more of the blame than Rodgers. And I'm not saying he's perfect, but they certainly, from everything we know, and I know we don't know everything, but yeah, uh, they, they deserve it. And Rodgers, I think right now, in, in the, the court of public opinion, could, could look better than, than them when this is all said and done. And here's a reason for him to say and do nothing at this point. From Avril Lavigne to Napoleon Bonaparte, <laughs> never interrupt your enemy when your enemy is making a mistake. Yeah, right. Right. Good advice. Right. Like Bill Aaron Belichick uh, no, noticing there's chaos on the Seattle Seahawks sideline. Don't call timeout. Right? Don't call timeout. They seem flustered, and they're going to mess this up. Yeah, there, there's something to that. It's a good quote. I like that one better than Avril Lavigne and complicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it would be great if he would tweet that. <laughs> Never interrupt your enemy while he's making a mistake. We interrupt this coverage of Aaron Rodgers to talk about the team that that started all this. Thanks a lot, 49ers, for trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers. That was the fuse that led to the bomb that's been going off repeatedly for the past couple of months. Kyle Shanahan appeared with Tim Kawakami of The Athletic on his podcast. Here's a little from Kyle talking about quarterback philosophy, and we'll react to it on the other side. I, I do laugh at the, that everyone thinks that they know exactly what I want on quarterback <laughs> because I, I thought we had a chance to get the number one free agent quarterback who was going to be on the market in our second year. Um, and since we did, people just assume that's how I would draw it up, um, which if you draw it up, you're – I mean, obviously, you're going to give the guy everything. Um, you know, I do believe that you have to be able to win from the pocket in this league as a quarterback or it'll catch up from you. But holy cow, if you can run, it makes playing from the pocket a lot easier because um, those defenses are going to change and stuff. Kyle Shanahan's been coaching the NFL long enough for those of us who pay attention to it to know what he wanted in a quarterback before Trey Lance. What he wanted was a guy who would run his offense like a robot and operate from the pocket, not improvise, not not start, you know, doing anything other than what Kyle wanted him to sure, do. We've right, known that. Right. So it is a break. It is a change. That's why you thought he was going for Mac Jones. That's why others thought it. Mac Jones fits the profile right. that had developed over 20 years of what Kyle Shan is looking for in a quarterback. So, yes, that's it's not and that's why I think it's just, it's odd for him to say I laugh when people think they know what I want in a quarterback. We do know what you want in a quarterback and it's typically not a guy who's going to run and take off when he's still waiting for the play that was called to develop, Chris. No, that's right. I mean, hey, it's it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's it's Kirk Cousins. It's Matt Schaub. It's Matt Ryan. It's that type of guy that was in his his history. But obviously, you know, my assessment of my friend and what he wanted at quarterback and the things he liked has changed. You know, and you see here, like here's some quarterback stats for you. Running the football. Yeah, there's been zero threat of that the last two years as far as at the position of quarterback, anybody stressing the defense with their legs at all. They're pocket quarterbacks. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo especially. He is less than the modern-day athlete at the quarterback position. He is. He's less than average as far as that's concerned. But I think with a guy like Shanahan, who's always looking for new ways to be cutting edge on the offensive side of the ball, you know, whether it's, again, I think 
you know, hey, Mahomes and seeing what he can do, ad-libbing plays outside the pocket, doing that type of stuff. You know, we talked about the Josh Allen and some of the quotes that came out of San Francisco after they played him this past year. I, I think maybe that was the start of this cycle of maybe a different Shanahan thought process on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I've heard him say a few quotes already since he's drafted him, just, you know, the running quarterback, what it could do for his offense. It's a lot like what I think we're going to see with Sean Payton. I think they're looking at it right now going, wait, I'm really smart, and I've always been able to dice people up with the normal running game and the normal passing game, but what if I got a guy that does both? How are people, what am I going to be able to do? What am I going to stumble upon that it's also going to give me other advantages of unintended consequences? And I think that's where Shanahan's excited right now is that he could add an element to his offense that the league maybe is not quite used to right now. It's impossible to ignore what we've seen with the quarterbacks who can do the off-schedule thing, who can turn a bad play into a good play yeah. by improvising. The two plays, the play that's called, and the play the quarterback comes up with when the play that's called goes to hell. Kirk Cousins is the prime example of a guy who can't do anything. Sorry, it's true. Yeah, it's true, Can't Mike. do anything when the play that's called goes right. to hell. Yeah. He can run the play that's called as long as it doesn't go to hell. Right. It goes to hell, it's done. May as well just throw it straight into the ground at that point. But when you see what Patrick Mahomes can do, the guy that Kyle Shanahan didn't even bother to evaluate because he thought he was getting Kirk Cousins a year later in free agency, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why if he did go into this process wanting Mac Jones and was talked out of it by someone in the organization, Patrick Mahomes' game film would be the thing that would tend to do it, especially Patrick Mahomes' game film from Super Bowl 54. Yeah, right. Between Mahomes and right. Garoppolo. That, right. that's, yeah, you want, you want another Garoppolo, we should be looking at a guy who can be another Mahomes, and that's the difference between Jones and Lance, potentially. Yeah, no, no I mean, you're exactly right. There's that potential there. Now, what's different and what to me is going to be really interesting and a lot of pressure here on the 49ers with the Trey Lance thing and everything you're talking about and I'm talking about is, again, whether how much you like Mahomes or Josh Allen or some of these quarterbacks that came out in the draft and things like that, we didn't really question their throwing at all, right? And I know people question Josh Allen's accuracy and things like that. And you've heard my defense of all that, playing up there in Wyoming. His receivers stunk. Everything. The offensive line was as bad as any of I've seen of these top quarterbacks in the last five years. It was, everything was bad. So nothing was going to be easy for him. But the point is, you know, at least for me, and I think a lot of people evaluating quarterbacks in football, with some of these quarterbacks were talking about extending plays, there was never questions about their ability or inability to throw the football and do some of those things. Trey Lance, there is. You know, like we've talked about, we haven't seen two minute warn, a two-minute drill in his college career. We haven't seen him have to play in a game where you go, your right arm's going to have to win it today. Not our North Dakota run, great running scheme and you're running and doing those things. You're going to have to drop back 45 times and dice somebody up. He's never had to do that. And see, those are things that, like, I didn't question about those other guys we're talking about. And so that's the, the last piece of the puzzle here is, yes, I think the running can be really good. I'm not going to say it's Lamar Jackson good or anything like that. But, yeah, the passing, there's there's questions. There, there definitely is. And that, that to me, is going to be the million-dollar question. Yeah, the running's good, but will he be able to take advantage of everything within the pocket, like Shanahan's talking about, to really like take his game to the next level?
I just think all this confusion and uncertainty traces back to the message that is necessarily sent when in late March a team trades from 12 to 3, giving up two extra first-round picks and a third-round pick to do it and not knowing what they're doing it for, supposedly. We're going up to 3. We know we're going to have the board in our control after Trevor Lawrence goes to Jacksonville and Zach Wilson goes to the Jets. And worst case scenario is they don't. And we get one of those guys and we'll take one of those guys. We'll be thrilled to get one of those guys. It's what the Jets did when they moved to number three in 2018. They were content to take the third quarterback on their list. That's right. The Jets knew who their third quarterback was. They knew one, two, three, which way they'd go. The 49ers didn't. Okay. Lawrence Wilson, and we'll figure out who number three is that to me, Look, yeah, it's weird. I would, too. Yeah. They could have stayed. They could have stayed at twelve and maybe gotten Trey Lance uh, uh, or Mac Jones. One of them would have been there. One of them would have been there. You're, there's, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, maybe somebody trades up, right? If they were at seven or eight, we've talked about Washington and things like that. Maybe, you know. But, but then again, you know, if you're the 49ers and you are sitting there at twelve, you can adjust on the fly and do that. Listen, I mean, yeah, you, you, you talk to anybody in the NFL who knows anyone. Uh, I it sounds like the representation for Trey Lance had no idea where he was going to get drafted if the 49ers didn't take him at three. There was like concern of like, wait, we don't know. We don't have a team that we really know is in it for him or wants to draft him or do any of that. So, yeah, with those things, you connect dots and you go, yeah, he most likely could have been there at 12 or he might have been there at seven or eight. And you wouldn't have to trade three first-round picks to go up and get them there at that point either. So, yes, that's something they're going to have to live with, and that's going to be part of this package and story of this whole Trey Lance draft pick. I'm thinking back to some of the quotes from the aftermath of the trade, and I got the sense that there was a high degree of relief in the organization that they knew where they were going to be and they could quit worrying about that. And, And I can't help but wonder now, did they make the trade when they did? Just because they, they didn't think they'd be able to hold it together for another month while they waited for the draft and waited to see, do we have to trade to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Where do we go? What do we have to do? I, you know, you're paying a premium yeah. just to be in position where you have the luxury of evaluating Justin Fields, Trey Lance, That's right. and Mac Jones. It's a lot to give up. And it I is. just don't, I just, I just, I don't know whether they didn't think this through or whether they just got freaked out by passing on Patrick Mahomes, passing on Tom Brady when he wanted to come play for the 49ers last year, and they just wanted to be done with this. I, I, it, the, the whole thing is odd to me. And then you throw in the possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to be traded or cut, that he is going to be the week one starter. If he does stay healthy and play well all year, then you got an even bigger mess. It just feels like this is a mess that's got the chance to become a huge mess for the 49ers. And it's as unique as what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It is in a that bit. You're right. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before. No, you're right. It's 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 uh it is different. I can't certainly I can't think of like a, a scenario like this, you know, this many draft picks to trade up to get, you know, a guy at three, not really proven yet, raw, you know, but we gave up all these picks to get a guy that's kind of raw and unproven. And we got a quarterback here who's quarterback this team that's in a Super Bowl window, and he's actually taken the Super Bowl and had a chance to win the football game. You're right. I mean, this is has the makings of being a soap opera. That's for sure. It does. And I, I don't know where it goes. And then you've got into the fact of, 
Like, we're talking about a quarterback who you traded three first-round picks to get to number three, and he didn't play football last year. He played one game, and I can just tell you from my standpoint, that one game, again, and I don't – I'm you know me, I don't overjudge – that one game would have been scary enough for me not to take him at number three. I, I can say that and feel very confident about it. That's no disrespect. I hope Trey Lance proves me wrong. You know that. I'm rooting for the 49ers. I'm rooting for Kyle Shanahan. That's, that's, we know that. But, yeah, that would have scared the death out of me. And now we're talking about what? He's going to sit on the bench maybe behind Jimmy Garoppolo for another year? That's where it's like I, I, w- I would want to say to my buddy, like, hey, man, if he's close, just go with him. Play him. You'll figure out how to run the ball with him and take care of him. And I saw you do it with RG3 and all of that. And that Washington team wasn't as good as that 49ers team he got right now. So if Trey Lance can handle the offense and can play a little bit, I'd go go. Go time. Let's see what he's got and get him out there, get him playing football. You can't let him sit on the bench for another year, at least in my opinion. I, I keep going back to the common denominator for the dysfunction in Green Bay the dysfunction in San Francisco, the dysfunction with the Rams where they dumped Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, the dysfunction with the Seahawks, it all traces back to Tom Brady. It's all Brady and Mahomes-ish. It's all Brady and Mahomes-ish, like to your point. And you mentioned the Super Bowl that Jimmy Garoppolo started for the 49ers, that they were winning and then they fell behind and then Emmanuel Sanders was open and Jimmy Garoppolo missed him. This quote from Tom Brady from the Super Bowl pregame show on Westwood One with Jim Gray of Garoppolo. He's got a great opportunity to go out there today and prove it. That's when you really get to see whether someone's capable or not. That was Tom Brady before Super Bowl 54. Yeah. And what did he prove every step of the way in the 2020 season as the 49ers saw it and realized Oh crap, we could have had that guy this year. Yeah. I I I really I really do think that Brady's success in his first year with the Buccaneers has broken the brains of multiple NFL front offices and also empowered quarterbacks in a way that's creating these situations we can look at and say it's unprecedented. Green Bay, yeah. unprecedented. 49ers, unprecedented. Rams, unprecedented. All because of Brady. I, I definitely a huge part of it, no doubt. I I think Mahomes is involved in there too because like of the way he's playing and how good he is. He's affected the 49ers. I think Rodgers looks at him and he's like, wait, Brady's got these guys and I got this young guy who's tearing the league on fire. I was the freak who threw lasers everywhere and he's got talent around him. So that puts more pressure on him too or you know, it puts more pressure on the situation. But yeah, I agree. I think you're right. I mean, I think you can look at the 49ers, the Russell Wilson situation and Green Bay and go, there's certainly – a Brady effect, a Mahomes effect that has ruffled the feathers of the quarterback, the organization, or whatever, or both. And uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, I think it is real. I'm, I'm with you there. Mahomes and the Chiefs still the favorites this year to get to the Super Bowl and win it, but his top tight end, Travis Kelsey, is keeping an eye on a certain team in Ohio that could be right there with the Chiefs when it's all said and done. We'll discuss that next right here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win. 
defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Boy, so much for sucking up to Patrick Mahomes. Remember when we had Travis Kelsey as one of the top wingmen? Mahomes is part owner of the Royals. What are you doing with the Indians gear on? Although we know what he's doing. He's pandering, and that puts Travis Kelsey's comments into perspective. He was in Cleveland when he said that he regards the Browns as a top contender to the Chiefs, and they start the season playing each other. I don't think that that's necessarily a great thing for the Browns, but if you're going to catch the Chiefs, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think you'd rather catch him in the middle of October when maybe they're not paying the kind of attention they'd be paying to week one. You know, Andy Reid's so good when he has two weeks to get ready. Give him seven months to get ready. I think he's going to have his guys ready for whatever the Browns may do, Chris. But I don't know. Are you buying this from Kelsey? I am. I'm buying it. Uh, I mean, I, I think we need to. I, I think Cleveland's the real deal. You know, I, I really do. You know, you just you look at the football team on paper – there's really not a weakness of the team. They've gotten better in the offseason in the areas they needed to address. There's no doubt about that. It's year two in the system. Odell Beckham Jr. should be back and healthy. I mean, yes, the window's here. It, it's legit, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, Andy Reid's a magic man as far as week ones are concerned and all those type of things. But, man, it, it won't be easy. Not with like this running attack coming to town and everything that they can do with this this Cleveland football team. So no, I mean I think the the time has arrived, right? I mean I, I don't I don't say playoff window. I think Cleveland is like clearly in the Super Bowl window, have a Super Bowl football team, and wouldn't be shocked if they were there. You know, come February next year. We saw what happened two years ago when the bar was high for the Browns, yeah. and they they had one of their best seasons in years. Of course, the bar was low from that perspective, but people thought they'd be a playoff team in 2019. They failed miserably in part because they decided to make Freddie Kitchens the head coach, all due respect. Now the bar's high again. And we, we, we just have to wait and see how the Browns handle that. Right. The fact that there are expectations. The fact that the Browns is the Browns is no longer the applicable catchphrase. Sure. Teams will start circling Cleveland in a positive way, not, well, this is essentially a bye week, 
No, this is an A-game measuring stick week because everybody is on the Browns. And I don't know how they're going to deal with that. They're going to have to, though, if they have aspirations to to match the expectation that you have. And every team has that aspiration. Yeah. And they do it. I wouldn't bet against them at this point, but I want to see how they do, especially week one. I mean, they come out and beat the Chiefs week one. Oh, yeah. That's the shot heard around the football world. No doubt about it. I mean, you're right. Uh, they got the talent to match up with them. They do. I mean, I think if we broke down both rosters and we went down like position group by position group, I think it'd be a lot closer, if not advantage Cleveland, really, in some ways. It, it could. I think it would be really close. But, yeah. I, you know, Mike, that is the million-dollar question. Success, how can they handle it, all of those type of things. You're right. You know, from what we saw last year, though, I, I, I would think that they continue to handle it in the right way. I would. We saw maturity throughout the football team. We saw less, you know, press conference antics from, from Baker Mayfield for the most part. We saw him really be a mature leader on and off the field. They really handled themselves on and off the field as an organization the right way all year. That's where I give Kevin Stefanski a lot of credit, you know. And, yeah, they have a style of football that really fits their football team, their roster. It all makes sense. I mean, it really does. So that's where I come back to it to look at it and go, man, there is no excuses. You're right, though. You know, they have reached a level, I think, of, yes, went to the playoffs and – Players are smart enough to know, like, what they're going to look at. Oh, we got to play Cleveland this week, and they're going to look at the roster and see a little film and go, "Whoa, they're the real deal. We got to have a good week." Like, so they're not going to sneak up on anybody. You're right about that too. And it's going to be about how they can handle it. But I, I don't know. I'm expecting positive results. I really am. Let's rip through the position groups. And you mentioned Mayfield. Look, there was a lack of discipline in his game in 2019 generally, yeah. possibly because he wasn't getting the coaching that he needed, whether it was how to behave at press conferences or his footwork, his throwing mechanics. You would notice that he was kind of all over the place in 2019 when Freddie Kitchens was the coach. Where, where, where do you put the quarterbacks now? Recognizing that Case Keenum is the backup in the event that there's an injury to Baker Mayfield. Well, I mean, we got one of the best backups in football in Case Keenum. So even if Baker goes down, your team's not going to fall off, you know, earth here. Uh, they're they're going to have a chance to still win football games and be successful. He knows the offense. He fits that. And then I think Baker Mayfield's on the edge of superstardom. I mean, from the way he played last year. I mean, he is certainly in that top ten-ish quarterback conversation you know the one thing that like I jumped out to me with Baker Mayfield when I went back and I'm doing my Chris Sims top 40 corn countdown I you know I watch film just to hey let me look at some things let me some write some notes things that jump out to me I mean Baker Mayfield's throwing decision making was top notch last year and like degree of difficulty throwing Mike was special. He wasn't getting like, you know, the Jared Goff, here's a guy three feet in front of me in the flat, or here's another guy in front of me in the flat and throw it to him and you run from there. It was roll out. Oh, there's a guy 23 yards down the field. He's got this much space. That's how much he's open by. Shoom. He just let a rifle out and throw it. Aggressive, high degree of difficulty throwing with high degree of success uh so yeah I'm, I'm big on baker right now i'd be shocked if he doesn't hit the ground running and he got better as the year went right. on and a lot of that was the kevin stefanski influence now you got a full off season now baker and other offensive players haven't been there for much of the off season because of the whole nflpa thing and jc treader the starting center for the browns is the guy leading the charge to get guys to stay away 
But uh, the thinking is in year two, he'll pick up where he left off and maybe continue his development. It is only his fourth NFL season. Running backs, Nick Chubb entering his fourth season. Contract, they have to figure out what to do with him. Kareem Hunt, they have him signed for several more years at a bargain basement price. They will be together for at least one more year. That's the best tandem in the NFL, right? Right. right. I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody messes with this crew right here. There's no way they do both things really well. And Kareem Hunt, you know, we know he can even be add more in the passing game. They're both number one, like number one starting running backs. I mean, it's special. They don't miss a beat when either guy comes out of the game. Chubb is amazing running between the tackles and to me is one of the three or four best running backs in the game and Hunt's just on the outside edge of that and has more value in the pass game so yeah I'm with you I mean that's to me I, I they're nobody that's the best in the game tight ends and receivers fascinating with OBJ coming back Jarvis Landry touting Beckham's overall preparedness and fitness and how he looks coming back from that torn ACL he suffered while trying to make a tackle against the Bengals fairly early in the season beyond Landry and OBJ you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones Rashard Higgins he signed a one-year deal to stick around with the team at tight end you got Austin Hooper big free agent acquisition a year or two ago Harrison Bryant David Njoku who's in the final year of his rookie deal this is a pretty good group as well I mean if OBJ's healthy yeah if OBJ even if he's not healthy, it's a pretty good group. If he's healthy, you go, wait, this is one of the better units in football. I mean, that's, you got two really good tight ends. You know, you got both of them. We know those two receivers. Even if OBJ's not there, Higgins is real damn good too. Donovan People-Jones showed a little bit of talent last year. Damn, the kid they drafted out of Auburn, Anthony Schwartz, this year in the in the draft. He can go. So, yes, another unit where you look at it and go, it's towards the top of football and can be scary good if OBJ is healthy to what you say to where you go, I mean, they they have the potential to be, right, Mike? I mean, I don't know. You tell me if I'm crazy. Really, one of the two or three best groups in football, I think, if OBJ comes through to the way we, we think he's capable of. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And uh, holding it all together, the offensive line. The offensive line has to get it done if Baker Mayfield's going to have time to do what he needs to do, if the running backs are going to have holes to run through. What do we think about their offensive line relative to others? In the conversation for the best in football, this is not like a broken record. This is real. You could argue it's the best guard combo in football with Batonio and Wyatt Teller. You could go, it's, there's not a two better on a team in the game. You know, We know Treader is, is one of the best centers in football. You know, And then Jack Conklin, who's one of the better right tackles in football. Jedrick Wills, he was good last year, not great, but he got better as the year went on. So you look at them and go, they already are a top five offensive line. You know, now it's just like, can they be the absolute best? Can they be a force like we saw the Cowboys four and five years ago where it's just like, we knew they were going to run the ball with Ezekiel. There's nothing we could do. They just smashed us and that was it. You know, they have the chance to be that, to basically be like, hey, Kansas City, yeah, we're pulling this guard and we're going to run Nick Chubb right here. There's nothing you can do about it. That's how good this group is. They could be that dominant. And uh, look, you still have to have a defense. You're going to get into a bunch of shootouts, and it could be that the Browns end up in some high-scoring games, especially if their offense does what we think it can do. But defensively, with Miles Garrett, with Jadavian Clowney, we know with Clowney comes the giant asterisk of him staying healthy. But good Lord, the idea of those two guys, even if it's half the season, with Clowney and Garrett complementing that offense – 
I can see why Travis Kelsey said what he said. It, right? it isn't just pandering to the folks in Cleveland. I think he recognizes the Browns could be a force to be reckoned with this year. I, I don't know how you can't. If you're just paying attention to football, you know, and yeah, you're right, like Clowney, but we know Garrett's in the conversation for one of the best in football. They need, like, one of these D tackles to come through a little bit. You know, Andrew Billings, a guy they got from the Bengals, you know, two years ago, opted out, right? So now he's back in the fold. He could be a run stopper there in the middle for them and their team. Uh, you know, they, they need a Jordan Elliott, who they drafted two years ago in the third round of Missouri. Maybe a Malik Jackson helps out. They got it. It's just we got we to gotta see just how good they're going to be there in the middle. We know on the edge they have a chance to be really special. But then you add into, like, they got Anthony Walker and free agency and got – Jer Jeremiah Wusu koromoa in the second round, who we talked about a million times. I mean, he was definitely one of the 20 best players in the draft. He had a heart murmur and got and, and ended up falling to the second. You know, so they got a linebacker that fits their scheme perfectly, and you just go, damn, front seven. Really damn good. I'm not going to say top five, but it's got the potential to be that. Yeah, and uh, that Wusu koromoa thing, they were thinking about taking him in round one. Yeah. And all indications have been that the heart issue is a non-issue. Uh, unbelievable to think how, how big of a steal he could be, how good that defense could be to go along with an offense. I mean, something special is brewing with the Browns. But I still hear Juju Smith-Schuster. And, well, and I think fans yeah. hear it too. The Browns is the Browns. You're so used to being beaten down. You're so used to the team being bad, whether you are on the outside or on the inside. There still is a kind of a wait and see. There, there, there I and and, yeah, and that there I is. think that just that's perfect because even though the bar seems to be high, there's still that nagging doubt, and maybe that keeps guys motivated, keeps guys focused, keeps guys from getting complacent. And this team does go out and uh, take over the AFC and maybe the NFL this year. It would be amazing if that happens. I I, I would think like the history is going to keep the team on edge a little bit. Like, they can't feel like, oh, we're here, we've arrived. So I, I would have a hard time believing that. And I would think the fan base is, yeah, to a degree, kind of going to be, you know, a little nervous. Like, wait, what's going to happen? Are we going to crap the bed like we've seen us do here? You know, like you've talked about, with expectations high, all of a sudden we fall apart. I have a hard time believing that. But, yeah, like this generation of people or anybody really younger than me, I mean, they have nothing to, no reason to think Cleveland can turn around or do anything what good. You know, again, we grew up in an era where, yeah, I in the early 80s, the mid 80s, all through the 80s, you know, I, yeah, the history of the Browns was relevant then in the 60s and 70s, but the 80s, they were damn good. I mean, they were a Super Bowl contender for the last half, more than the last half of that decade. Uh, and, and so the modern day kid, the kid that's born around the 2000s, they got no clue that Cleveland's ever been you know worth a damn other than Jim Brown the back-to-back -back AFC championship game losses to the Broncos yep. from the drive to the fumble and and uh, yeah they were there and then of course that team became the Ravens and won a couple of Super Bowls but you're not allowed to say that Ravens fans get upset when they're reminded that they were once the Browns Browns fans get upset that the Ravens is the Browns not the Browns is the Browns but <laughs> before we put a bow on this secondary I mean, look, great front seven, and we have a great front seven. You don't need a great secondary. You and I could play in the secondary, but they got guys a lot better than you and I 
They do in the secondary right now. They the, the, that's where like they're they play that Seattle scheme where we talk about you don't need a lot of great man to man corners, but they got a guy in Denzel Ward who, if he can stay healthy, is one of the ten best cover corners in the game. So he's like that's legit. And then the fact that they got Greg Newsom, a big, long, great ball skills corner from Northwestern in the first round, like. There's, I mean, again, it's just another position group where you go, okay, yeah, it's not proven, but, man, the talent's there. It's real. I mean, John Johnson and free agency from the Rams to get him. Grant Delpit was a second-round pick from two years ago. Tore his ACL last year in training camp. He'll be ready to go. So a little bit of an unproven commodity there. Greedy Williams was hurt most of last year. But, like, man, top-end, young, speed, talent, it's there. That might be the biggest question mark on the on the team, though, just because it's a little unproven, right? But I think it's just like, okay, let's see what they got. But I don't question it and go, oh, they're under man. They got issues here. You know, I, I still go, well, there's great potential here for this to be one of the better units in football. Troy Browns Hill? have the potential Holy to be cow. one of the best teams in football. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, if it does, I, I can't. It's going to take us a while to get used to it, but start getting used to it because the Browns are coming. All right, let's take a break. Some prominent NFC West figures are looking to put the toothpaste back in what Shereen Williams has called the toothpaste holder, a development that uh, we addressed on Friday, but Chris was in his hammock with a pina colada, so we'll get him up to speed and get his takes on a couple of things that were said late last week. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. You know, in terms of the trade talks, I think anytime you play professional sports, there's always a possibility of something happening, right? Well, I think there was a lot of confusion, and everybody was saying that I requested a trade, and that wasn't true, so we made it clear that I did not request a trade. I did not request a trade. Um, I've always wanted to play here. Well, I think there was a lot of confusion, because uh, the reality is, is that, <laughs> I forget, I think I was in the Bahamas or somewhere, and everybody was saying that I requested a trade, and that wasn't true, so we made it clear that I did not request a trade, and then... There was teams being flown around that I was going to go to those teams, this and that. And so, you know, I think that, you know, when you look back at it, you know, it's it's part of, uh, I don't know, it's, I think it's part of it, um, unfortunately. With the comments you made about the offensive line and being frustrated with getting hit, some people have taken that as maybe criticism of the offensive line. Did you mean that as sort of a direct criticism of the, the offensive line in general? Not not at all about the offensive line. I think that I also mentioned, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the reality is, is that I can do better too. That was Russell Wilson from last Thursday. Miles Simmons and I talked about it on Friday. Look, he didn't request a trade, Chris, because he didn't have to. I mean, yes. It wasn't until his encounter with Santa Claus that Ralphie officially requested a Red Rider carbine action range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. He didn't have to. He made it known that that's what he wanted. We all know he wanted to be traded. He never had to show up at Pete Carroll's door and bang on it and say, I demand that you trade me. His agent came out and said, my client doesn't want to be traded. But if he were to be traded, he would accept trades to the Bears, Saints, Cowboys, and or Raiders. So, I, 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 look, I didn't have a big problem with it because I knew he had to do it at some point. He's all about going out and trying to make chicken salad, and he's stuck in a place where he hasn't been satisfied in recent years he's going to make the best of it because this is one more crack at building the legacy he wants to build he's got one Super Bowl win in nine seasons just like Aaron Rodgers with one and Patrick Mahomes with one he's going to do everything he can to get it to number two this year and after this year that's when 
it all gets dusted off again, and he won't request a trade, but it'll be obvious that he would love to have a trade to a new team. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, gosh, there's so many things. To, I mean, first off, he's smart enough to know, like, at that time, he didn't he, he did not say the exact words of, I request a trade or anything like that. He sent out every signal in the world to, like, what you're saying to say that. I mean, come on. That, it's insane. It's a little crazy he's gotten away with it to the degree of what he got away with. You know, it, it tells you about the charm he has. Really, come on. Nobody, no starting quarterbacks really thrown their team under the bus quite to the capacity what Russell Wilson did after the season. He threw everybody under the bus. And he grins and smiles and he talks good and his eyes move everywhere in the press conference because he doesn't want to be any tells or anything like that. But, like, come on, that's what he did. I mean, that, that, he went scorched earth as far as a starting quarterback's concerned uh, on his own franchise. Kind of let it be known of all the issues that he didn't like about the football team. Yes, and obviously. I mean, we know the Bears went all in on trading for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Like, so they didn't go all in because they went, well, this is just rumors, and Florio and Sims are talking about it. So let's just call them and put up a trade offer, but it's not really real. Like, come on, get the hell out of here. They knew that Russell Wilson wanted out and was willing to go to Chicago. They've talked to his agent. They put a trade package together. Come on. Like, this bull crap. So he could say whatever he wants and blah, 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 blah. But we know that he was forcing the issue this offseason to a degree. And, yes, didn't happen. So now the toothpaste is back in the toothpaste holder. And he'll make, like you said, the best out of the situation for right now. But, yeah, I expect some of the same comments when the season's over next year. And that's the difference between him and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Now, Rodgers has been dealing with his frustration and disrespect longer than Wilson. And it's not like the Seahawks have gone out and drafted Wilson's potential replacement. But Wilson recognizes, I want another Super Bowl. And staying away from OTAs or mandatory minicamp does not help me get there. There's a certain point where I have to swallow my pride and I have to be all in because this is my only shot. Yeah. It's either play for the Seahawks or not play. I want to play. Yeah, I'd like to play for someone else. I'd like to play for an offense that runs through me. I'd like to play for an offensive coordinator who's a little more diverse in the formations and the efforts to stay ahead of the defense. And, and I'd rather not have a head coach who, if he gets freaked out by a couple of bad games, all of a sudden wants to go back to meat and potatoes and, and not do anything imaginative that allows me to show what I can do. He'd prefer all those things, but he's stuck where he is. And so he's there. He's engaged. He's going to say all the right things because the goal is get to the Super Bowl and win it. And yeah. if they do, great. If they don't, if they don't make it, they haven't been to the NFC Championship since 2014. If they don't get back to at least the game to get to the Super Bowl, I fully expect all this to be back front and center next year. And it could be not just Aaron Rodgers being traded after the season, but Rodgers and Wilson and maybe Deshaun Watson. Now, what do you think, though, like if they get back to the divisional playoff game, but it has a different look this year, right? Like Russell Wilson, the offense are explosive. He's got great numbers. Things like that. Everything looks on the up and up. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, that's one scenario I wonder what he would do there. Because, like, like, to what you're saying, you know, first off, you know, there's worse places to be stuck. And you do have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's, we talked about last week, it's one of the better duos in football. 
I mean, it's up there towards the top of the league. They can, those guys are difference makers. So, yeah, it, I just it's going to be interesting this year because I do think they're going to have more of a schematical advantage on the offensive side of the ball with the new offense. We heard the comments last week right from Russell Wilson where he was like, the offense is super complicated. Yeah, because he's doing stuff that he's never done. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. So this is going to be fun to see what, what, what Shane Waldron can add. And that's the key. The key to this is Shane Waldron. Yeah. What will he do to make the offense less predictable? What will he do to avoid what we saw last year when it was let Russ cook until the defenses could figure out the recipe and they didn't counter it effectively? And that's what freaked out Pete Carroll. Can Waldron do enough wire to wire, week one through week 18 and into the postseason to make Russ say, damn, they're, they're, they're finally doing what I've wanted. The offense is running through me, and it's great, and it works, and that's going to be the tension. That's going to be yeah. the, the, the focal point. Right. Will Pete Carroll allow Shane Waldron to uh, to go out and take over? And and you know what? I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Now, I'm, I'm going to save it for another day. I'm not going to say. Oh, that is just not even. That's not even fair. You can't do that. That's not. It's not allowed. That's like against let's football say the offense, TV code. Okay, let's say the offense ends up being spectacular. Right. And we start hearing Shane Waldron as a potential head coach. I know we somewhere can. else. Yeah. At, at what point? At what point? Come with me, Russ. For the Seahawks. No, no. Oh. At what point does ownership of the Seahawks say it's time for Pete to go? Oh. I know they okay. just signed him to an extension. Uh, but if but if you're faced with Waldron and Wilson versus Pete and whoever, I'm just I, I I'm not I'm just I'm just the, the dominoes can fall in all sorts of crazy ways, and we all we know. And this is one of the problems of having a defensive head coach. If you have a great offense, you're going to lose your coordinator. And you have to go find another one, and then you have a great offense again. And you're going to lose that one, and he's going to go be a head coach. And uh, if if it works with Waldron and Russ to the point where Waldron becomes a head coach, yeah, then maybe it's Russ goes with Waldron or maybe it's Waldron becomes the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. I guess we, we just have to be keeping an eye on all that. That's that's what well, I wasn't going to say it's, and, well, and officially haven't said. Yeah, well, it's a, it's it's not a crazy thought. Uh, I mean, it, it's not. Um, I don't think we're there yet, I don't, at least, just with the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll, he's too damn special still. That's the other thing, too. So. If, if, and he falls into the Mike Tomlin category. Where if the Seahawks would decide it's time to move on, Carroll's going to have a job by the end of the day. 100%. He's going to have a job by lunchtime. Also, like, one of those things to where I think it's, too, it's like, you know, Pete Carroll's got a way with people and guys, too, where I think, you know, somebody else goes up there, they may be like, whoa, there's a few more characters and personalities and things going on here than I thought. That's where Pete's special that way. So, uh, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't think we're there yet, it, but Man, Waldron sets the world on fire. Russ sets the world on fire on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it, it could be interesting to see what happens up there in Seattle. Way back in 1984 in Minnesota, it was going to be Pete Carroll or Les Steckel. And uh, let's just say the Vikings made the wrong choice. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, another thing that was said last week that we reacted to while Chris was in his hammock, coming from the NFC West, coming from a head coach who tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Oh, There's Chris. Man. Can we go back to Friday? Those were the good More days PFT right Live there. right after this. Ah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.